Welcome back in, guys. This is episode two. I'm Jenkins Delight. I'm here with my boy Kyle Clardy, and we got a lot to get into today. We're gonna talk some Clemson, South Carolina basketball as the season, the season's end approaches. We're gonna talk about the NFL draft and what we think the Chicago Bears should do. And we have the Elimination Chamber tomorrow, bright and early, 5 a.m. Eastern time. And we're going to give our predictions and what we think is going to happen as the road to WrestleMania continues. So, Kyle, how are you, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good, living life. Um, so, last time we were here, South Carolina had a lot. Well, it was after the Auburn game, right. but they still had a lot of momentum since then. They lost LSU. They had a big lead at home. They're still easy, they're still ranked yeah. twenty, still easily in the tournament. But momentum's kind of shifted a little bit. I just want to know what your thoughts are and what does South Carolina need to do to turn it back around as they go to Ole Miss uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I uh, obviously the Auburn loss was rough, and it kind of was like a you know you kind of run into a wall if you're being on this mom- like wave of momentum. You just kind of hit a brick wall right there again in that game and it kind of just crushed our momentum um and then you know you come out against LSU and I, I don't want to say they played uninspired because you definitely you watched the end of that game and they were really trying you know they're really playing hard um and I think it was just kind of a, a matter of like and you see it now LSU has been they beat Kentucky they've been playing some great <laughs> basketball so like I mean yeah they're... so I mean LSU's a LSU's no slouch um and I just I, I just think it was kind of one of those things where like like wrong place, wrong time. You catch a hot team in LSU that's like got everything going for them, and you're coming off a terrible loss. And it was just kind of the perfect storm for us to lose there. And honestly, you know, I I would like to say Carolina honestly should have won that game. I think they that should've. they should have. I think sure. the whatever that play was to end the game. I don't know why you're going for a three in the corner when you're down one on an inbound play underneath, uh-huh. like under the basket. I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand why you're not running some kind of pick draw play, trying to get maybe a short corner mid range jumper or even shoot even a lob to the rim. Maybe I mean just something, some kind of two. I don't. I mean you had time to catch and shoot, so I don't think a fadeaway three in the corner is really your best play call. I know Carolina likes to shoot the ball, but I don't know. I think you're 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 down one. They've been calling fouls on everything all game. That that game was if you went to the rim, you're getting a foul call. Mm-hmm. So. I don't, I don't understand the play call down the stretch. Only being down one didn't make a lot of sense because even if you get the two, you, I mean, that's that's a win. So, um, yeah, I think it's just tough sledding. It was just a rough game. I wouldn't be surprised if they get momentum going again. I think Lamont's done a great job of being able to rally those guys. He's a great leader, motivator. So um, I'd be excited to see him get back on track. I would, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous. But, again, I think LSU's on their way to being ranked soon probably because they're playing – great basketball right now. I don't see them slowing down anytime mm-hmm. soon. So, um, yeah, I just, I just think they just got to get a, a – they need a nice get-right game against somebody here soon. And then uh, just get that momentum going right before turning time. That's all we need. Yeah, and um, it kind of seemed like and Kentucky did the same thing because Kentucky and South Carolina were both up. Yeah. Like 14, 15, something like that. Maybe South Carolina's like, all right, we got this in the bag. We can – let the foot off the gas a little bit, and then that cost them. Yeah, I was worried they overlooked them at the beginning, and then I thought, well, yeah. you know, I, I think Lamont does a good job getting the guys ready for games, and you know, really prepares them, but 
I think it was just combinations. A lot of things went into it. You know, the deflating loss originally, maybe overlooking LSU. Um, the comfort of being at home probably played a factor as well. I, you know, I just think it was kind of the perfect storm to allow LSU to win that game. And then even still to have all those factors at play, to be down one point with the last possession and a chance to win it. You know, I think it's at the end of the day, it's a matter of execution on South Carolina's part where they just should have either called a better play, ran a better play, something. Somebody needed to step up and be like, hey, let's just go for the two, man. We can win it here with the two. We don't need a three. I mean, yeah. So, and I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think LSU is close to being ranked. They're on 14 and 12. But the way basketball wins. works, they're playing. Like they're ranked right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe. What, yeah, I mean, the, maybe you're right. They're, they're. I mean, I don't know if they. I don't know if they will get the ranking, but they're no. playing like a ranked team. They're playing like a powerhouse team. So you know, who knows if they keep racking up wins here towards the end of the season and just go on an absolute tear towards the tournament? Maybe they get slipped into twenty three, maybe some somewhere like that. I don't know, yeah. but you know, um, I definitely could. I mean, see shoot, them. if they get hot and win the SEC tournament, they're in. Yeah, so, you know, I, I could definitely see them doing that because they're playing. Really good basketball right now. They're playing hard. They're playing physical, um, and they're knocking off big, big opponents in games where they should, where they're down. They're down by you know double digits. Games they shouldn't be able to come back yeah. from and win, and they're doing it on the road too. So, so um, shifting over to the upstate, uh, Clemson basketball. I don't know if you got to watch the NC State game Saturday, and I don't know if you got to watch Georgia Tech Wednesday night. We talked about last week. I was. Gonna be it was Saturday night Saturday night game versus NC State mm-hmm. rivalry. Um, I was there. Crowd was good, similar to what South Carolina did at LSU. Clemson was up like eight to twelve the whole second half, and then just folded. Yeah. And NC State won by a point. And credit to NC State, but it was a very deflating loss. Thought Clemson had it, but State was able to hit a late shot and Chase Hunter took it to the rim and wasn't able to finish. It was a deflating, deflating loss for sure. Um, it didn't from all the tourney projection guys. It didn't look like that hurt them very much though. Clemson and um, they're still projected around the five seed. Um, so we'll see. But they were able to bounce back big Wednesday night at Georgia Tech, eighty-one to fifty-seven. Um, they had four guys in double digits um, in the. Jack Clark was the only guy who wasn't, and he had eight and five rebounds, four assists. So it was a very spread out, productive game for everybody. Um, good to see them bounce back. They play at home versus Florida State Saturday, who's fourteen and twelve. They should be able to take care of business. They need to because right now it's they're trying to everybody's trying to get that four seed, that buy, double buy in the ACC tournament, and there's a lot of teams right there. And Clemson's right there, and they have a very favorable schedule going forward. So we'll see if they're able to finish well and get that done and get some momentum heading into the postseason. But did you get a chance to watch either of those games? I got a little – I got to see the NC State game. I didn't get to see the Georgia Tech game. Um, and I think I think Clemson, after watching them, I think they're – you know, I think obviously, like we said, they're a tournament team. Um, I think they're a team that can make some noise in the tournament. And they definitely deserve to be ranked, I think, come into the season. Uh I just think that their biggest issue right now is finding consistency, game yeah. in and game out. Because I think you'll see a game where you're like, "Oh man, Clemson is like a serious threat," and like then you watch another UNC. game, and mm-hmm. you watch another game, and you're like, 
what happened here? You know, they kind of mm-hmm. just come out flat or they'll fall apart in the second half. It's just a consistency thing because the talent is there. The skill is there. Um, Brownell's been able to rally the troops for the most part this year. So I, I just I think they're a good team. I just think the biggest thing is consistency, and it's really hard to do um, in college because the environments are different. You've yeah. got um, just, I mean, week in and week out, it's just different. You know, every, every game's different. And uh, so the, for these guys, you know, they just got to find that consistency. And that's something you do and you grow as a player. Um, and that's just something they got to work on together. I saw where Clemson is five and three on the road in the ACC. I believe, yeah, I believe that is better than their home record in ACC play. And really, if you don't take away that call in Durham at the end, they'd be six and two. Yeah. So you don't see that much in college basketball. But so it's like, yeah, Clemson can show they can be a little like home. Maybe I don't know what it is. Sometimes they, I don't know. Maybe don't play as I don't want to say play as hard, but maybe they take their foot off the gas a little bit and on the road they get more fired up to play I don't know but they have a couple of home games coming up um should be good sellout I don't know about sellout but good crowds there definitely tomorrow night with baseball being here again this weekend there'll be a lot of people in town so we'll see if they can get those two at home and finish well and again get some momentum for the ACC tournament where it's looking like South Carolina and Clemson will be in the NCAA tournament, and I can't—I don't know the last time both teams made it. I know South—I know South Carolina has only made it once in the last like fifteen years, and that was their Final Four run. Yeah. And I know for—and I know Clemson didn't make it that year, so like it has probably been so long since they both. But I know made Clemson's it. been on the bubble the past, uh, past couple of years, right? They were in the—they were like one of the last teams left out. Yes. and got in the NIT. Yeah. Um, but I know they've been a kind of a fringe team the past couple seasons. So, and yeah, I feel like we're always kind of in the around the bubble at some somewhat. But I don't know. Brownell has been here long time. Long time. He's only been to the tournament, I believe, three times, maybe four. But he's he's always close. But this team should have no issues getting in unless they completely collapse. Same with South Carolina. So. Yeah. All right, let's start NFL draft. Um, who, not even mentioning the team, if you're a GM, you start from scratch. Who who are you taking number one in this draft? I think it's tough. I really, I really think it's tough. I know. I think the consensus is that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best prospect out of anybody in the draft, yeah. and I would agree with that. I think it's kind of a dealer's choice when it comes to quarterbacks. I mean, I, I saw all the pro comparisons for all of them and all these things about each quarterback. Honestly, I think it's just kind of – I really think it comes down to the team. Like, it's just who you, it's just who you think is going to be your guy. It's, it's, it all falls on the GM, the head coach. They have to come together and say, hey, all right, this is our guy. Because, you know, you can look at Caleb Williams. You can look at Drake May. You can look at uh, – you can look at Jaden Daniels. All three of those guys are unbelievable, you know. Daniels won a Heisman. Like, ridiculous season. Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner. They say he's the best prospect since Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's getting all these, like, great compliments and praise. And then Drake May, kind of the dark horse out of the three of them, really. But he's also getting, like, I mean, I saw him going number one in some drafts, in mock yeah. drafts. So, um, I think it's kind of dealer's choice. Me, in particular, I think, like I said, Harrison Jr. is the best prospect in draft. I also really like... Um, 
Dallas Turner. I know yeah. he's not going number one, but I think he's an it's unbelievable Bama, player. Yeah, Bama edge rusher. Yeah, great player. Uh, I think Brock Bowers, spectacular player. Um, also like Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, great receivers. I mean, it's, it's just it's yeah. a loaded class. Real quick, this doesn't really have much to do with the draft. I saw. I want your opinion. Who was the better prospect coming into the draft? At tight end, Kyle Pitts or Brock Bowers, in your opinion? Mm. I, I'm going to go with Pitts. Pitts. I think Pitts is unbelievable, and I think I think a lot of people are going to use the recency bias of what well, Atlanta not using him at all, and just be like, "Well, Kyle well, Pitts is a, put him on San Francisco." Yeah, see how good kind of like is. Kyle Pitts is an average tight end. Please put Kyle Pitts on 90% of the teams in the league yeah. and watch what that guy does. I mean, that guy was lining up at slot receiver at Florida. Like, I, mean, I was about to say, he basically was a wide receiver. And I know I know the same can be said for Bowers. Like, Bowers was lining up out wide sometimes for Georgia. I mean, it, but, you know, I just think Pitts is a freak, dude. The athleticism off the mm-hmm. charts. Guy's unbelievable. I, you know, the Falcons have kind of squandered him so far, but I still think all the talents there, all the tools are there for him to be a top tight end. Yeah. Um. So, with that being said, I'm sure you've seen all this Justin feel like what should yeah. the Bears do? They trade for trade their draft pick. Um, should they stick with Fields? Mm-hmm. What do you think they should do? I, well, you saw what Justin Fields said yeah. the other day, right? Yeah. So like I'm just him. tired of all the trade talk. Like, yeah. I mean, there's the whole thing with him saying he's tired of the trade talk. Then you saw I think it was yesterday maybe it came out about the whole thing with him like unfollowing the Bears on yeah. Instagram and then he followed I think Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and maybe somebody else in the Falcons. And then, you know, there was the whole thing about, like he said, you know, just because you don't follow a girl on Instagram doesn't mean you don't mess with her or whatever is what he said. Like, it was it was a whole thing. He also said, like, it's because he was going on vacation or something. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors right now, I think. Um, but, you know, they say that when there's smoke, there's fire. And I think the biggest thing that's been said about Fields, the reason why the Bears would move on is – because of the contract. You know, he's yeah. coming up on, they got to look at that fifth-year option and they're going to have to pay him. So why not just get Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels and you reset the clock and have another four years of That's not true. having to worry about a contract. That's a good point. Um, so you're saying like an op- you're saying like in the talent, like Fields isn't good enough compared to them. Well, it's just, I don't think Fields is bad too because I don't either. a lot of people gave him a lot of slack and were like, oh, Fields is terrible. But I kind of did at first. I thought he was overrated. He's yeah. a quarterback. I mean, like honestly, out of the majority of the Ohio State quarterbacks that have came out, I think he's probably one of the better ones, if not the best one we've seen in a while. Yeah. Um, and he's he's actually not a bad quarterback. I think yeah, CJ Stroud now though. Yeah, that's true. That makes it hard to look at. But before Stroud, he right. was like the one Ohio State quarterback where you're like, all right, this guy's okay. Um, and you know, selfishly as a Packers fan, I would love to see Justin Fields as a Bear come next season. Because, yeah, I know you would. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want to see the Bears win. But um, the foot, the inner football fan of me, the unbiased fan, says that I think you know. You want to see Fields succeed, um, and so I think what makes the most sense is Chicago trades Fields, just restart the whole process, get a guy, get Williams, get May, get Daniels, whoever you want. Um, I'd imagine it's going to be Caleb Williams. Yeah, probably. Taken. I just think I don't know what his I don't know what Fields' value is right now, and I don't know if all these things he's saying are hurting his value or not. Um, he said he wants to stay in Chicago though, because you know. 
ideally, you know, you'd be like, oh, well, Atlanta needs a quarterback. He's following Falcons players. All right, cool. Let's get pick eight. You're not going to get pick eight for Justin Fields. I don't think. You don't think? I don't think his value is there. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, they'll get a second-round pick. Whatever. I'm like, dude, it's a starting quarterback in the NFL. It's hard to find. And he's not an old quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. So you got to look at the value of that. And then I see, you know, kind of the sleeper team in the mix, I felt, is a lot of people say the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to make a move. Oh, wow. Which I think Pittsburgh is sitting at 20 in the draft. I'm I don't think that's a bad deal to trade pick 20 for Justin Fields. Now, maybe that's overvaluing him because, like I said, I've seen second-rounder been thrown around, like maybe a second, a third, and then a future third or second maybe. Um, but, again, I just think, you know, Pittsburgh has shown that their quarterback situation is a mess. Why not get a guy that can come in? You kind of take a chance on it because, honestly, if you take him right now, Pittsburgh can decline his fifth-year option, not give it to him, and then just let him hit the market. So if it doesn't work out, you lose – one maybe two picks. You can you live with that? I, that's a that's a question for the general manager of Pittsburgh. But I don't know. I think they're in a situation where they've got a guy like a TJ Watt, who at this point they're kind of wasting his career. I mean, he's having he's having unbelievable seasons. Like he's yeah. he should have been defensive player of the year. This oh, you year. mean wasting is in not winning? Yeah, but oh, they're not okay. winning. I mean, look at their division. Yeah, you got to compete true. with Cleveland, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. Now, Cleveland obviously is a mess with whatever's going on with Deshaun, but that team still made the playoffs this year with Joe Flacco at quarterback. That's just how loaded they are. I think, um, I've always said this, and it hurts me because I'm a Panthers fan. Yeah. I think Justin Fields to the Falcons is such a good fit. It, it does. That, He's that from Georgia. Top, yeah. They're a quarterback away. He's at athletic, dual threat quarterback. Like, I just. I don't know. I, just him being the Falcons quarterback with their roster, which I think is good. They're, I said oh, last yeah. week, quarterback away. I think that would be such a good fit. I know my boy Miller and Walker are going to love me saying that, even though. I agree. I, I think hurts because they're in the same division as the Panthers. Yeah. But I think it's a perfect fit. I think that would be the ideal scenario is him going to Atlanta, obviously. Um, and I think a lot of people give him a lot of flack saying, oh, he doesn't throw the ball. He's a, you know, he, the running back allegations, whatever. But – Think about this, honestly. When you look at the Bears over the past couple of years, who like they have they even had a running back? Nah, they haven't really. I mean, Khalil yeah. Herbert's kind of there. They had yeah. Tariq Cohen for a minute, but he's out almost out of the league now. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't really had a running back. You give him Bijan Robinson, he doesn't have to like Fields doesn't have to run the ball fifty no. times a game. He doesn't have to. He can just hand it They're off. They're run first option, and he's cap- he's good enough to make those play action. Well, plays. and now they have a head coach, so now he doesn't have to worry about just. You know, yeah. whatever Arthur Smith was doing. Now, if he goes to Pittsburgh, he has to worry about Arthur Smith. <laughs> so oh, that's right. that, uh, he doesn't dodge that. But um, yeah, I, I think I think Atlanta would be the ideal scenario for him. I think it just works for both parties. However, I do see Pittsburgh as a team that like that's crazy. I, I did up. not know. Yeah, Pittsburgh was in the mix. I saw this morning where Atlanta said they're going to be aggressive and yep. trying to trade up. So I. I honestly, my predict if the Bears trade Fields, my prediction is he ends up an Atlanta Falcon. Now back to the draft. Mm-hmm. I've said this. It's hard because I think Caleb Williams is so freaking talented. Yeah. I personally, I don't love his mindset. Like him kind of crying in the stands. I kind of he seems a little entitled, a little bit. I don't know if that's gonna like. I feel like that could haunt him in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe I'm overreacting. 
I'm huge on Drake May. I always have been. Mm. And um, the game this year when he came to Clemson, his numbers weren't that good. He made some throws that I was with my dad in the stands. I was just like, dude, like, how, how in the world is he putting it in the bread basket like that? Yeah. So, um, I'm big. I think Drake May is going to be really good. He, I think he's going to be kind of like Josh Allen. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw the pro comparison to him uh, yesterday. It was Justin Herbert. Herbert's good Which I don't too. think is a bad comparison at all. But I, I think the thing is, like, this year's quarterback class especially, I'm, like, so skeptical of every single quarterback. Really? Because you look at, I mean – Caleb Williams, I kind of like what you were saying. Like, I don't think his attitude is the best. At least from what no. we saw in college, it was kind of like you know he was clearly there to make a ton of money, right? And he wanted to win, you know, Heisman trophies. I don't know if he wanted to win national titles. I'm sure it would be a nice thing to add to like his checklist. Yeah. But at the same time, you didn't really get that vibe that he was like, "All right, I'm here to win. I want to win a championship. Like, I want to, I want to do this." It was kind of just like. Where can I go to win the most trophies and get? So he needs that leader mentality. And right. he, I mean, we're not in the locker room. Maybe no, he we is, have no idea. But it doesn't really seem doesn't, like yeah. It. From the outside, it doesn't look like that. And then Drake May, the natural skepticism comes from me because of North Carolina quarterbacks with Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> granted, he got more starts than Trubisky did. Trubisky only had like thirteen starts on right. when they drafted him. Um, and and May has made throws that Trubisky has never made, and then he's also got the scrambling ability that Trubisky didn't have. Um, so, th- I mean, they're totally two different players, but again, that stigma... Somehow, of, too. Yeah, yeah. that stigma of being a North Carolina quarterback is kind of following him, I feel like. Uh, although he definitely could be the quarterback that breaks that. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, there's natural skepticism there. I think a lot of it depends on his fit. Like, you know, if he goes... To New England, do I feel better about him going to New England than I do about him going to the Commanders? I don't know if he went to, if even if he went number one to the Bears, I don't I don't know how I would feel. It's it's a lot of about fit because think about it, you know if he goes to Chicago, they have a decent offensive line, they can protect him for a little bit. If he goes to the Commanders like projected, what's going to have him be different than what Sam Howell went through last year? I mean, Sam Howell was getting just crushed back there, okay. so. Keep going. You're gonna, you I mean, you're gonna have him running for his life to start his NFL career. Cause I, I'd imagine he's not gonna sit. Like you're probably gonna play the number two. Yeah, I would imagine. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's really the best situation to be dropping him into. And then New England, they have an okay offensive line. Uh, Pretty good defense. But, but again, you're giving him who's he throwing the ball to? Exactly. Juju is Juju gonna be back <laughs> out there? I mean, I, whew, it's just I. I, I'm I'm am scared for both him and Daniels who or and even Williams if he doesn't go number one, whoever falls out of that one slot I'm very nervous about because the situation plays a lot. I don't I think May and Daniels both are like phenomenal prospects, but right. uh, yeah, I see the, what you're the situation scares me for whoever drops. I mean, look, I'm a big I'm a big I mean Bryce Young won the Heisman and right. look look. How he looked. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he showed flashes, and he gets and he gets a lot of trash being said like, "Oh, Bryce is a bust. They should have took Stroud." But again, I mean, like, look at what you give Stroud. You give Stroud, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, who a lot of people didn't know who they were, but they, I mean, they were good players. Just they're not they're not elite up front. They're no. a lot better than Carolina. They have a run game. They have yeah. uh, great receivers. They have a Coaching. defense that's getting better, and they have a fantastic head coach. Carolina's in a was in head coach turmoil, not really a great receiver. You give him, like, what, 33-year-old Adam Thielen's, like, the only guy you can go yeah. to. Jonathan Mingo kind of disappeared and then yeah. had flashes where he'd show up. Yep. 
no offensive line, run game. You paid Miles Sanders a bunch of money for no reason. Ended up being the backup. Yeah, Cuba Hubbard should have got the start. Should have got the shot to be the starter all year. They should have mm-hmm. never signed Miles Sanders. And I don't think I mean, I, just, I'm not saying Bryce Young. Like if you put Bryce Young on the text, I'm not gonna say. I'm not, people say that I don't, all the time. I don't think he he would just win rookie of the year and be just as good as CJ. I do think if he, he was on Houston, year for sure. yeah, like. I'm not giving up on Bryce. But they're different yeah. quarterbacks. I mean, Stroud's a complete gunslinger. That dude's yeah. going to sling the ball. Bryce Young's not that quarterback. He's an analytical, systematic right. quarterback. He will sit there and read the defense and take what's given yep. to him. So you're not going to see him chucking the ball 60 yards to tank Dell down the field like Stroud does because it's just a different player. So he's not going to have that kind of season. But I definitely think he would have had a much better season. It probably would have been in the rookie of the year conversation had he been oh, yeah, the Texans. Oh, yeah, for sure. But um, back to Drake, mate. So you're so you think they're good players? Yeah, for sure. Does this include Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix? Penix scares me. Penix. Let me tell you before you get into Penix. Let me tell you my opinion on that. I watched him versus Texas, and I was always skeptical if he could play in the NFL. And I saw some of the throws he made, and I like texted my boys. I was like, dude, he can play in the NFL. Now then, I'm not. First of all, he's a dog. Regardless, oh, he's yeah. a college. Legend, he's a dog for sure. But then I watched him versus Michigan, a more NFL type defense, mm-hmm. put that pressure on him and stuff. And you saw he's a little, little inaccurate, didn't look as good. So that got me skeptical again. I don't know. I, I'm scared about him because of the injury history, for one. Yeah. Um, the second thing that scares me, and I saw this comparison, didn't even draw it. I know, it's, I know it's a natural comparison because of the left-handed throwing, but him and Tua. Like that, when I heard that comparison, I was like, "Oh, oh boy!" Because I mean, it's it, the the similarities are there. Left-handed throwers, injury history, both of that's them crazy. Have what is what is called a cannon arm. I mean, and you saw it, like you said, the Michigan game really brought out what I was worried about. Both of them getting pressured, inaccurate throws, just throwing it as far as they can, getting away. It's kind of what Tua's done in Miami when you see the pressure get to him. He either checks it down or he's just super inaccurate. I haven't figured out Tua yet. The beginning of his career, I thought he was overrated in the NFL. But then, like, the last couple years, he's played really well. But he also has Tyreek Kill, Jalen Waddell. So, I don't know yet. And I saw, and this is what this is funny, too. I, I know Miami has 20-something in the draft, something later on. I, I, I saw, I think it was Joel Klatt did this draft. Um and he said, if you're the Miami Dolphins, why not draft Penix first round? Why not take Penix? Hmm. Because they're in the same situation close to what the Bears are of having to pay Tua. You're going to have to pay Tua. Right. So you can Yeah, they're 21st reset. right behind Pittsburgh. Yeah, you can reset and get a guy that, again, the comparisons, kind of the same player almost. You restart, but instead of having Tua come into Miami and have nothing – until they got Waddle and then got Hill, you give Penix as a rookie, Tyreek and Waddle, and then you have more money instead of having to pay Tua. You can bring in an offensive line and protect Penix. I mean, it's a very interesting yeah, option. I don't. I mean, that's crazy. But again, Tua had what probably his best season ever he this did, past year for sure. So it's it's hard to let that go. But you know, like like I said, Penix scares me just because of that natural comparison and. The Michigan game, and then the biggest thing is the injuries, honestly. I don't doubt that he has the arm talent. I don't doubt that he has decision-making. I don't doubt that he's a great player. 
it's the injuries, man. It's, it's the same thing that scared me about Tua with his hip coming out. Yeah. And then now the concussions, you know, and, and the comparisons of those two are ridiculous. And I, that, that scares me. If I, was a, if I was a GM, I'd be a little nervous taking him. I'm growing more and more on Jaden Daniels. I'm uh, starting yeah, to think he could be really good, dude. I like Daniels. Like, I don't know where he's going to end up. And the thing but... that worried me was the, you know, kind of like the one-year wonder type deal. Because, I, I mean, obviously he played with Arizona State and he was he was an all right quarterback there. But, you know, comes to LSU, wins the Heisman, has a phenomenal year, and kind of didn't really turn like turn it up until the end of the year. But the biggest thing with him, though, again, I worry about, like, character issue is a problem. Because you remember the whole story about his teammates, like, cleaning out his locker oh, yeah. when he was oh, leaving yeah. and coming to LSU. Like, you don't really see that, especially yeah. not from a quarterback who's the yeah. leader of the team, the, right. like, the, you know, the – the engine of the offense there. I mean, so that was a scary thing. Obviously, you know, like, like we said about Caleb Williams, we're not in the locker room. We have no idea. Mm-hmm. That's just from the outside. So that's an incident that I think also kind of worries me a little bit. But it takes I, more than just being talented to be a good quarterback. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot goes into it. And I think watching his tape, you see he's a, he's a lot better. He got a lot better over time. But, um, yeah, that, that scares me. It's like I said, I, you know, every prospect in this draft – has that one thing where you're kind of like, oh, man, I'm kind of worried about that, a little skeptical about that. Um, But the talent is there with all these guys. It's just, you know, it's just a matter of fit and the position their coaches and the players around them put them in. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see what happens. Before we um, end the draft talk, let's talk about your Packers and my Panthers. Yep. What do you want to see the Packers do? At the draft, first round. Um, I would love to see a corner or a safety. However, at the end of the day, I don't want the Packers to reach. So sitting at twenty five, you're in a tough spot where there's a chance for a run to go on corners where like Terry and Arnold comes off the board. And as soon as Arnold goes off the board, everybody's like, "Oh man, we got to get one of these corners now." And then you see DeGene get taken. You see McKinstry go, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry go. You see Nate Wiggins. Nate Wiggins come off the board. You see uh, Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo yeah. come off the board. You see Rake Straw Jr. come off the board. Like all of these corners that may, some of them may be in like the high second round range, start to come off early. That's a scary thing. Um, I know a lot of people have said go offensive line because. I was say, what, did y'all let, what's his name, left tackle? That, that's still Is a situation. Bakhtiari gets cut. Yeah, we yeah. save like 20-something million dollars. He's got a huge contract. I know the biggest injury, uh, the biggest issue with it is his injury um, because I think there's a way he can file like a injunction like with injury grievance or something. There's some kind of thing he can file and try to like say that he was injured so he's actually owed this money or whatever because he couldn't get a job somewhere else with another team. It's a whole mess. Anyway, um Y'all got to pay Jair, too, or else he's gone, right? And his so we paid him. Up. We paid him. Oh, y'all did? Yeah. Okay. Because him and Devontae's contracts are coming up. That's, that's right. Devontae that's right. Shipped. Um, but, yeah, Bakhtiari gets cut, clears up a lot of money. Obviously, we're going to take a decent penalty hit for that. But uh, it'll clear up a little bit. And, it, and then we just don't have to worry about it. The saga's over. Um, he can go sign with the Jets for whatever he's going to sign for, which I know is probably going to happen because he loves Aaron. Mm-hmm. Whatever, it's fine. I mean, obviously, I'm grateful for his time here. I've loved Bakhtiari's player, but at this point, the last few seasons, all he did was show up for game one against the Bears, looked pretty good. Now he's just crushing beers at Bucks games, and that's about all he does. 
So <laughs> I forgot about I'm kind of that was something. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with him leaving because Rasheed Walker's looked great. He's younger and played really well for us. So yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, get an offensive lineman." But honestly, I feel good about the tackle spots. Elton Jenkins is still a stud. Um, it's a deep offensive line draft, so I don't see why we would waste a first-round pick on an offensive lineman when there's such a need in the secondary for us, especially with you know Savage, Jonathan Owens, and um, Rudy Ford all being free agents. It's all three of our safeties. All are free agents. Personally, probably not going to get all three. No. I would like to see probably Savage brought back just because of his age, and he was a – a decently high pick for us a couple years back. So I'd like to see Savage brought back. And then maybe, you know, if you want to take a safety there, give me a Tyler Newbin out of Minnesota. Give me uh, Cam Kitchens out of Miami. I mean, some, just some kind of safety to help out. Uh, or a corner, you know, Cooper DeGene would be nice. I would love to get McKinstry. I don't think Arnold's going to be on the board at our pick. I don't think he'll probably drop. would love to see that if he was there. Uh, not against Quinion Mitchell. I just know what we need for sure, especially with – new D coordinator, uh, Jeff Halfley, is we could really use a press corner because he wants to press his corners. He's already said this in the press conference yesterday. He did. He wants to press press corners, which is great because one thing Joe Barry didn't do is when we're on third and 29, Joe Barry's got his guys back 20 yards, receiver catches the ball underneath, gets up, rack yards, gets first down. Yeah. So Jeff Halfley's going to bring these guys to the line. He's going to put the DB's hands in the chest of the receivers. So we need a good physical corner. So you think it's going to pro- – your prediction is going to be either DB or O-line? I think it's got to be defense. I don't okay. see how you I don't see how you can have the offense perform as well as it did all year and then have the defensive struggles again. And, you yeah. know, and now you know you have a guy in Jordan and you know you have at least three of the five offensive linemen are solidified with Zach Tom, Rasheed Walker, and Jenkins that are not going anywhere. I mean, I don't see how – that like and, and the Packers have done such a great job over the years of drafting unbelievable receiver uh, offensive line talent later on in the draft. They've made a name for it. like Elton Jenkins wasn't a first round pick. Zach Tom was definitely not a first round pick. I think he was maybe even fifth round. And Rasheed Walker slipped. To, I don't know what round they got him. Maybe he might have even been undrafted. Um, but yeah, just they've done a great job drafting middle lower round guys. Bakhtiari's second round pick. So. I, I don't see why you waste one there unless one of the elite guys falls. And I don't see, like, you know, there's no way you get uh, what's the, Joe Alt falls to 25. Like, it's not, it's just not going to happen. Right. So, um, yeah, I would love to see a secondary guy get picked up. Um, and then I think later on in the draft, you know, take an offensive lineman, uh, maybe get a defensive tackle to help alongside uh, Kenny Clark down there in the middle. Extra linebacker wouldn't hurt because Devondre Campbell probably needs to be cut. I would be okay with that if they did that. Then again, just some ragtag extra secondary guys here and there. Um, really, other than that, I mean, I think that's all I could see needing. And then I've said this. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into it because it would make me so mad if I start talking about it for a long time. In the seventh round or the sixth round, I know we have maybe two seventh-round picks, one or two. For the love of God, please draft a kicker. <laughs> I, I, I can't. If I see Anders Carlson come out there uh, one more time, I'm going to lose it. It not only makes it worse is the fact that he's so bad. Even in college, you look at his stats, he was terrible with Auburn. Terrible. 
He's not his brother. The Packers have a history of drafting the wrong brother. I don't understand <laughs> why we think we can draft the brother of the all-pro player and he's going to be an all-pro. Like, we drafted Equinemius St. Brown. Dude is barely getting snaps for the Bears right now. Well, his brother is an all-pro for the Lions and unbelievable. You draft Carlson, who sucks, and then you got his brother, who's an all-pro for the Raiders. Just stop. Let's get somebody who's a proven kicker. I'll take Will Reichard from Bama. Give me Harrison Mevis from Missouri. Give me somebody. I can't do Anders Carlson. And what makes it worse is he comes out there wearing number 17. Dude, you know who wore number 17 before you? I don't know, Devontae Adams. That guy was pretty freaking good. So let's just get this guy out of here. Can we kick him to the curb already? Get him out of here. Get him off the street. He can go flip burgers, go work at McDonald's, go to Walmart. I don't care. I, I can't. I can't see him on that field again. When when we're in the playoff game and it comes out at halftime of the playoff game that Matt LaFleur prays every time that man goes on the field. I mean, I... That's concerning for God, sure. get him off the team. I can't. I can't. They were calling for his head all year. I changed my lock screen to a picture of I hate Anders Carlson for two weeks after the playoff game. I, I mean, I can't. I can't do it. I can't deal with it. We let, we let Mason Crosby, the franchise leader in points, leave to bring in this guy. Oh, my God. I can't take it. All right. That's going to be a – that's a little rare when Kyle oh. gets going, and I think we found one, oh. of, one of his triggers. Yeah. And that's the kicker situation in Green Bay. Real quick, uh, Panthers – Traded their first round pick last year for Bryce Young, so they don't have a first round pick. They have the first pick of the second draft. My right away, I want to. I tell myself like, okay, we need to. We got to get. We need to go receiver. Like we need some. We need some route runners. They're going to help Bryce Young out. And like we need some playmakers. Like it can't be thirty three year old Adam Thielen yeah. leading the guy. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, but at the same time, we have got. To figure out offensive line, yeah, like we've it, nothing else matters if we can't build that. So I'm gonna be quick. I think we need to go O line unless one of those receivers. Like I think if like Keon Coleman dropped to like 33, I think all right, we got to take him. But I want to see us get a wide receiver one in the free agency market and then draft at O line. So we'll see what happens. All right, elimination chamber. Tomorrow morning, five o'clock Eastern time. Yep, you'll be working. Yep, so I'll you'll be, be up. So I'm gonna actually have to get up to watch that, and that's gonna be tough. But I think it's gonna be worth it. Uh, Perth, Australia, yep. in front of seventy thousand fans. Mm-hmm. Have they ever done anything in Australia that you know of? Uh, I think they did Super Showdown a couple years back. Was the only show they did. Um, I know they probably, I, sh- I would assume they've done like live events and house shows there, stuff like that. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, but Super Showdown is the only one I know of off the top where they came, where they came in and did a pay per view. But it was like, you know, it was nowhere near the stakes, were nowhere near as high. It wasn't as big of a stadium sellout kind of deal. Um, nowhere near as much on the line as there is this time. It was kind of just a, hey, you know, feel good show. But yeah, this is huge. This is a massive show. I think, I don't know if this has been complete. Just Triple H, but like I love how WWE's been expanding yeah. to other countries. Yeah, every anywhere they go outside the U.S., nothing against U.S. They just they, that's where they've been. We're, 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 and the thing is, we're just accustomed to it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, here comes WWE, cool, yeah. And it, it's not like the crowds are bad or anything. No. But you're just you're used to it. So like we saw a perfect example was Backlash in Puerto Rico was 
unbelievable. I thought I still think that should get like I don't know if this is the theme of that. That was like pay per view of the year. To yeah. Me. Oh was yeah. Unbelievable. The crowd was nuts. I still get goosebumps watching Bad Bunny's entrance. That was it's so crazy. Cool, dude. It's ridiculous. And you know you saw with uh, was so, it Money in the Bank was in uh, London this year. They were I think so. yeah. Which one was Night of Champions in Saudi Arabia? What no. Where was the one? There was another one when Roman Reigns and um, Solo fought. Was it Jimmy and Jay? That was that was in uh, that was Money in the Bank where they fought him. Was that Money in the Bank? Yeah, oh. where they did a tag match. But they, where where uh, where Jay? Or no, I think it was Jimmy super kick Romans. What you're thinking of? That's what I'm thinking of. That one was at Night of Champions, which was in Saudi Arabia. I yes. believe. that crowd was good too. Just yeah. any anywhere they go outside. It's just because they're not used to it. It's the crowds are phenomenal, and I'm with as much as like I want WrestleMania to be in America. I want it to be in Atlanta again so I can go. Oh yeah, 100%. but I'm kind of with John Cena. I think London deserves a WrestleMania, dude. I think there's so many places to get it. You give it to London would be awesome. I've seen a lot of people saying you know, another Canadian WrestleMania would be pretty cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, just there's so many places you could go with it. I think obviously it's you know it's a USA based promotion, so it's hard to move, but. That wrestling is global. It's all over the world. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it would be cool to see just in the future more events, more places. I know it's going to be hard for them to reach like the the market because of the, all the Japanese wrestling. There's so much Japanese wrestling. Great promotions over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be hard to get to that area. But, yeah, I mean, the branching out is always a great thing, especially when they have so many stars. Like, you know, you look at right now, Grayson Waller, Andy Hartwell, uh, Bronson Reed, Rhea Ripley, all of them from Australia. I mean, I cannot wait get for real pop. I can't wait for Rhea Ripley. Oh, it's gonna blow the roof off. It's gonna be nuts. It's, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, like, even as much as he's hated in the U.S., Grayson Waller is gonna get a bigger pop probably than Cody and Rollins for his oh, own for show, sure. which is Just crazy. He's That's it's uh, crazy, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um. So I think the crowd's expected to be. Capacity is expected to be like 70,000. Yeah. I mean, that's a WrestleMania. Oh, atmosphere. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, the match card. We have Rhea Ripley defending her Women's World Heavyweight Championship against Nia Jax. Yeah. Um, what's your prediction there? Um, I got it. I mean, I can't see Rhea losing. There's not, no way Rhea loses. Yeah, it's not possible. She's going to be at WrestleMania. Yeah. It's going to be in front of her. I, I think they're building towards Rhea versus Becky, and there's no way you stop it now with letting Nia Jax win. Um, I think Nia Jax has done some of her best heel work up to this point. Uh, but again, I just, I've just i never been a fan. I don't think the ring work is there. I just think yeah. she's going to just... And the moveset is so basic, dude. I mean, I've it seen is. the leg drop coming back, dude. All right. Hogan's been gone for a while. We can kind of let the leg drop die. Um, and then just the new, like her new finisher is just a squat, like a splash from the top rope squash kind of thing. That's, dude, that's like, that's so like King Kong Bundy era wrestling of like, we don't, you know, let's, let's see something different. I mean, I'm not saying Nia Jackson's going to do a 450 splash or something, but like, you know, I, I just. You want a little more creativity? Yeah, that? yeah. I, I, I'd like to see something a little different. All right, and then we have the tag team. Championships on the line, the Judgment Day versus. It's, it's uh, is it Pete Dude and Tyler Bate. Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Any chance we see the um, titles turn there? The Judgment Day has to lose the titles at it's, some point. Yeah, I agree. 
I think here here's what I think would be a very interesting scenario, but I don't oh yeah, okay. I would say night one of WrestleMania, you have Judgment Day in the tag match. And I've seen a lot of people propose like a it's it's gonna be like a four way tag where it's like Judgment Day, Creed Brothers, uh maybe DIY and then maybe Dunn and Bait again. Or just a combination of four teams, like maybe Alpha Academy sneaks in. Um, oh, the awesome truth. Yeah, yeah, another group. Um but like some kind of like really large tag match leads off the show, maybe or is one of the first matches of yeah. night one. And then you would have Judgment Day finally drop the titles to like a real team that we want to see go out there instead of, you know, Bauer primarily a singles guy, NXT champion, Universal Champion, Intercontinental Champion. I mean he's got crazy resume, but you know he's a singles guy. Everybody knows he's a singles guy. And then Priest holding money in the bank, he's not gonna win a major world title while still being tag champion. I mean it's no. happened before, but it won't be it won't be with him. Priest. So they're kind of just place holding the tag titles right now. I think they'll lose it night one early on. I think they retain here at Chamber. Okay. And then they lose it night one of Mania. And then I would be interested to see if you have Priest cash in on Drew McIntyre if he's the winner and beats Rollins yeah. on night one because he's I don't think to. you have Rollins. Well, but then Rollins would have to wrestle double duty if he's going to be doing the tag match. Ugh. Yeah, it's. I love how... A lot of combinations. I, don't I know. love how it's so up in the air. But, um, they could do. I guess they could have Judgment Day lose at night one, then night two Priest cashes in on Rollins or or McIntyre, whoever wins. And uh, that, I guess that's a logical scenario. I just think it's hard to say. We'll, we'll both get titles. Uh, we'll get to our WrestleMania predictions soon. Oh, but tough. so you think Judgment they will retain? Yeah, I think they retain here so and then too. they lose at Mania. I think so too. Okay, women's chamber match. Mm-hmm. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Tiffany Stratton, Naomi, Raquel Rodriguez. Who's your winner? Who goes and winner faces Rhea Ripley? Well, winner faces the winner of Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax at WrestleMania, which we assume is going to be Rhea. Yeah. So, I think the like most obvious thing to everybody is that it's going to be Becky Lynch. Uh, which I, I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't hate that. But you know, again. I also wouldn't mind the other options. I think Bianca Belair needs to... I, I think she's a great wrestler. I would love to see her and Jade at WrestleMania, so I don't want her to win this match. Okay. Um, I, I think, you know, Naomi's great returning, but I think it's just kind of too early to put her in a WrestleMania main event. No, no disrespect to her as a worker, by the way. I mean, she's great. Yeah. Uh, Stratton is kind of too young. She just got called up from NXT. It's kind of too early. Um, Liv Morgan? Liv Morgan's coming off the return. I just don't think she has the crowd and momentum behind yeah. her yet. Uh, I mean, so I think it's just kind of... It's got to be Becky. It's got to be Becky. There's really no other option. Yeah. All right, so we'll both give Becky there. And then the men's elimination chamber match. Winner faces Seth Rollins at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight Championship. We have McIntyre, yep. Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, LA Knight, Kevin Owens, Logan Paul. Who's your winner? So Logan's not winning for sure. No. He's not winning. No. Um, I, don't, I like that he's in the match though. Yes, because he's do. so athletic in he's the chamber. Do some cool stuff in yeah. the chamber for sure. Um, I think L.A. Knight is probably going to end up facing uh, Logan at Mania for the U.S. title. Just my prediction. Okay. Um, so I don't see him winning. I think the only two real threats. God, I don't, I don't see Lashley winning. Um, the only. Two real threats that I see coming out of this are probably Randy and Drew. 
And I think Drew's just been on an unbelievable tear right now. Just, he's been so good as he's a He's hilarious. Like, his really Twitter is. trolling is hilarious. The t-shirts, the just the mic work, unbelievable, coming out every week. Kind of doing the whole, like, oh, yeah, I'm just being honest with you guys, but I'm kind of a jerk. And, I mean, the whole – I mean, it's just great. I love what he's doing right now. I think it's got to be Drew. Um I think he's going to be think, the one to face. I think Rollins. it's going to be Drew too, but I'm not ruling out Randy Orton just because he's Randy Orton. No, I agree. Yeah, I think it's it, you can't discredit how good Randy is. And I saw where Seth Rollins said on like a podcast or something this week he wants another WrestleMania match versus Randy Orton. Yeah, I mean, so maybe that's a foreshadowing. Maybe that's just I don't know. Think about the last time they had a match. He got or one of the coolest RKO's of that all time so out of the stomp. Awesome. So I mean, he probably wants to have a more positive memory of his matches with Randy Orton. Was that the same night of, as the heist of the century? It was. The same night, night, yeah. That was crazy. All right, so do you think Drew McIntyre? Yeah. I'll probably, I got to go Drew as well. And um, I can't wait. I'm not looking forward to getting up that early. We want some up. I can't wait. So that's going to do it for us. Um, another episode. Meet Jenkins Dwight here and Kyle Clardy. Um Catch us next week as we continue to talk sports. Mm -hmm. And we thank you all for joining us today.